everyone. Welcome to the AMT Tech Trends podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. Today's episode is sponsored by Modern Machine Shop. I'm the director of technology, Benjamin Moses, and I'm here with technology analyst, Stephen Lamarca. Steve, how are you doing? Welcome doing, to doing great. Doing great. Doing great. We did our first trip of the year, each of us. Yeah. Separate trips. Separate trips. Yeah. But yeah. Both the first trip of the year. Separate regions in the U.S. Yes, sir. You want to tell me about your trip to SHOT Show? Yes, sir. It was amazing. Um, hands down, hands down, second best trade show I've ever been to in Sec- my life. Wow. Yeah. I have First to write being that AM- down. IMTS, of course. <laughs> I was about to call it AMTS. I was like, you, you dingus. Um, SHOT Show, went to Vegas for SHOT Show, spent uh, a work week in Vegas, got there, you know, early morning flight at a DCA. Yep. Um, which was a mistake. I'll try, I'll try to never do that again. But I was just re- when I booked it, I think I was just excited. It was like, I've been wanting to go to SHOT Show since high school. Sure. Since I've known about SHOT Show. Right. I've wanted to go there. Um, and it was everything I hoped for and then some. Okay. Um, even though on a professional level, it was amazing. It was right. way more than I than I anticipated. Okay. Uh um from on a work standpoint. Uh however. I remember telling you in preparation for SHOT Show that one of the reasons I wanted to go there was to talk to SIG right. and talk about their manufacturing processes, what equipment they're using, um, about the the deal that they made last year with um, uh, the next generation service weapon. Um, SIG wasn't there. <laughs> they let you down. So they said, Steve's not coming. Let's not show. Because like, <laughs> when I wasn't at on the exhibit hall floor or when I wasn't having a meeting with a booth or supplier or uh, attending one of the seminars or having a meeting back in my room with, with somebody at HQ. Um, I was watching either um, shot show TV, right? Which was on the hotel room TV channel. It was a hotel room TV channel, which was great. That's fine. Um, Not as good as IMTS TV. Like seriously, not as good as IMTS TV. I'm not just saying that. Um, and but but still, you know, it's still a constant feed of content. Right. And, and if I wasn't watching that, I was watching YouTube on other people's shot show coverage. OK. And what the very first video um, of shot show coverage that I saw was from Industry Day at the Range, which I've mentioned before, invite only didn't get in this year. Hopefully through some of my meetings and from, through some of the contacts and conversations that I'm continuing post shot show that I'll be having this year. Um, I'll get it. I'll secure us an invite for industry date in the range next year. Yep. Um, through all that, the very first YouTube video that I saw covering shot show was SIG. Right. So they were at industry date, the range, the invite only part of the event. One day event. One day. Yeah. It's only on Monday. Shot right. show is Monday through Friday. Yep. SIG was only there. They didn't have a booth and it, it just, it really let me down. It, it, <coughs> If it was any other sh- trade show minus IMTS, it would have totally put a damper on the show <laughs> and it would to- totally have killed the mood. But one thing that almost killed the mood, but I didn't let it um, the Thursday before shot show. Like I, I started feeling like a, uh, a-, a headache. Right. I had a headache, but it was a strange headache. I thought it was going to be I thought it was like a cluster headache. Yep. Um, and it was like right under my right eye. Yeah. And it was just like a pressure. So I was like, oh, this is a pressure headache, sinus headache, yeah. something like that. Um, let's just uh, 
pop some Excedrin, yeah. go to bed and it'll be gone. Yep. And felt fine. Woke up the next, woke up that Friday, <laughs> um, felt okay. And then it came back. Oh no. And I was like, all right, let's take more Excedrin. Right. And, and it just stayed through the entire weekend. And I was constantly medicating and I was like, all right, you know what? As I'm packing for shot show, I'm like, let's, uh, let's throw in some headache medication. <laughs> let's throw in some Sudafed. Because that also helps yep. with headaches. Also, it's in Vegas, so there's probably going to be some alcohol consumed. <laughs> um, as I get older, the more and more sensitive I get to alcohol and like <laughs> having one drink or even a sip of beer gets yep. me stuffed up right away. So <laughs> it's probably a good idea to pack some Sudafed. Anyway, show goes on. I'm having a great time. Still got this headache. Headache gets worse and worse and worse. And oh, no. Wednesday, it was almost like crippling, like how bad it was. And then I realized I'm looking stuff up online, which is the worst thing you can possibly do. <laughs> but it actually worked this time. Okay. And because like it was like feeling like I had a toothache too. It was getting right. that bad. It was it was coming down into my jaw. WebMD would have told you had cancer. Yeah. <laughs> WebMD would be like, go see, go to the ER now. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. But deduced, and even even Google said that this is this is um um self-diagnosable. Like, okay. like most things you're not supposed to diagnose sure. yourself. Sure. But Google or WebMD or Mayo Clinic, whichever one that Google sent me to was right. like, yeah, you can self-diagnose for this. You have a sinus infection. Ah. So I figured, okay, let me just go down to the nearest pharmacy. Fortunately, in the Venetian, which is where I stayed, they had a pharmacy vending machine. <laughs> Coolest thing. Of course, <laughs> Vegas, because, like, you know, you can get escorts. You can go to a dispensary. Like, all that stuff's pretty much legal there. Right. You know, why not have prescription drugs, too? <laughs> why not? Just go down to the lobby. There's a vending machine with prescription drugs in it. Wow. You know, uh, no no antibiotics. No serious. Like, like I'm talking, I don't, I don't mean prescription drugs, but the drugs that would typically be behind the counter. Okay. Where you'd go pick up a prescription. Um they just have them in a vending machine. Sure, sure. And you're like, you need Sudafed? Like, we've got a vending machine for that, you know? <laughs> um, so so I go down there, get a sinus medication, and I'm feeling better, and I'm I'm back in it. But as soon as I got back from SHOT Show, I uh, I go to patient first. Yep. Just go to doctor. Guys, I don't feel like calling my doctor, um, setting something up. Like, oh, yeah, we can see you next month. Forget that. <laughs> go to patient first. Um, oh, I also didn't do this in Vegas because who packs their HSA card wow. to bring to Vegas? You know, yeah. I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. I never thought, oh, I'm going to go on this business trip. I'm going to get sick, even though it definitely happens. People get sick yeah, on business that, trips. That's my second biggest fear. All traveling is getting sick while traveling uh, and being like in a hospital. Somewhere. And it, it is. Oh, man, that's scary. Yeah. That happened to Grand Thumb. We can get into that later. <laughs> um uh, he ate like a, a spicy meatball and he was hospitalized. <laughs> uh, so, so there apparently there's like a, a bingo card for spotting gun tubers at shot show. Sure. Nobody got Garantham because oh, he was like, in the hospital. <laughs> um, anyway, so I get back from, for, I go to patient first. Um, and I tell the doc, I'm pretty sure I got a science infection. Right. Like I looked up, I haven't had, he's like, when was the last time you had a sinus infection? It was like probably when I was like in my teens, <laughs> like it's been forever since I've had a sinus infection, but this isn't going away. Yeah. I can pinpoint exactly where it's coming from. It's not coming from my teeth. So it's not like a tooth or gum infection. They're in pain, but it's only because the pain is spreading, but it started right below my right eye. Yep. And so that's like where, you know, a sinus canal is or some something like that. And he's like, all right, sounds like you have a sinus infection. Where were you? 
It was like, I was in Vegas. I was at a work trip in Vegas the last week. It was like, oh. <laughs> His tone changed quick. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna prescribe you augmentin. <clears throat> I was like, what is that? Was I mean I've heard of augmentin before yeah, in, yeah. in a video game. What is the scale of a it, scale of antibiotics? It's, it's like it's a very strong antibiotic. It's good for sinus infections and um genital infections. <laughs> It's like, dude, I, I swear it's just a sinus infection. I know I was in Vegas. It's not syphilis or chlamydia, you know, like I'm good. That's just, funny. But yeah, they gave me they gave augmentin the, the broad and spectrum. it's got me a little loopy. And, you know, right yeah. now, like it's a strong antibiotic, but I feel a lot better. Good. Good. I'm glad. Wow. So I was in Orlando. There was uh, we had a committee meeting uh, in this automation committee and we like to do it in conjunction with the A3 business forum. Right. So we were at committee meeting in the morning. Uh, I'm sorry, in the afternoon, which led into their um, first evening reception. Worked out fantastic. Yeah. The only drawback was it was um, Monday at noon, and I like to get there the day before for my committee meetings, sure. make sure everything's set up, especially when it's at a hotel, make sure everything's mm-hmm. cool. <clears throat> Since we were meeting Monday, I didn't want to travel Sunday night. So I did what you did. I took a uh, early morning flight. I think it's the earliest flight I've taken in a long time. Ugh. 7 a.m. flight out of Reagan. So in the Virginia area, I'm closer to... That means d- you woke up at like 4.30. I woke up at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Oh. Because I'm always stressed out about traveling. So Same. I'm up before the alarm goes off and I'm just staring at the alarm waiting for it to go off. So I woke up at 4, got everything going. Uh, unfortunately, I feel bad for Deepa because she came down with me in the morning and, you know, saw me off. But then, uh, you know, got to the airport. Did everything. you really saw her before you left though? What's that? That's nice. You saw her before yeah, yeah, you left. That's, that's why I spotted That's sweet. So, you know, everything worked out, but just so tired because by the time the committee meeting's done and the evening reception, you've been awake for like 50 hours and just exhausted the first day. And then it rinses repeat the next day because you got the whole conference. So I stayed, I was able to stay for the A3 business forum. So a couple of things that came out of the committee meeting. Yeah. So yeah. in planning, we, um, we bring in speakers. That's tight. Like I'm, I'm actually also a little bit jealous. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad I went to SHOT Show. Right. But I kind of want to attend an A3, an A3 conference too. Yeah. We'll work on that. Okay. Um, We'll, we'll talk about that. There's another event that uh, we should go together awesome. for. Awesome. Okay. So um, the committee meeting, we discussed a business topic and a technology topic. So the business topic they brought in was recruiters for uh, um, talent in automation specifically. So there's companies, uh, there's recruiting companies that have very specialized uh, teams that look at um, different manufacturing sectors. Mm-hmm. So the one company that the, the committee brought in, <clears throat> the one speaker the committee brought in, has a specific group that handles um, software, um, you know, uh, roboticist, skills related to automation in particular, I found that completely fascinating. I never thought that, you know, there would be recruiters or HR specialists for individual manufacturing sectors. So, you know, they talked about the different challenges, you know, are there regional issues? Are there pay issues? Are there um, benefit issues? And a lot of the common issues are um, uh, what other industries are facing also. So if they're uh, a designer or if they're an engineer, you know, there's the challenge of working from home or like the fringe benefits. Um, you know, are they hiring someone new? Are they hiring someone more experienced? Are they looking for sales uh, people? So it was a very interesting look at, you know, the challenges that our committees, committee members are facing on the workforce. Yeah. And the recruiters are able to, you know, basically talk through that. <clears throat> yes, these are challenges that are faced across the world. And actually one of the speakers at the business forum talked about that too, is that, you know, there's a, a full life cycle for your human capital, you know, talking from recruiting, hiring, retention, and then uh, post. There's a whole change in priorities as that person goes through. Right. Um, you know, or someone early in the career, they could be more interested in compensation where, 
you know, someone later in the career, they could be more interested in flexibility, like myself, you know, yes. trying to raise a family. Yeah. It's a challenge nowadays. So that's, uh, that's an interesting conversation uh, for later on we can get into. So that was, uh, that was a very interesting uh, conversation, the first half of the meeting. The second half, we brought in a company called Real-Time Robotics. Uh, they're a startup <gasps> cool. company. Okay. And the reason we brought them in was they're looking at automating programming for uh, robotics. So it's, it's um, basically streamlining the process of uh, getting to uh, a path for a robot. And they, okay. they specifically work for robots. Oh, that's not, sick. Not an entire automation cell, but so they look at a robotic cell. So it like could how be, to help you implement a robot into your system. Exactly. So they have a, a software where you, you design your whole system or whatever software you have. But they have uh, kinematics for specific robots. And they have just about every single robot that you can. That's so cool. You take out the, the model of your robot, put in theirs and in, the, in their software. And then you can begin the automation process of basically defining, you know, points to say, go here. That's really, go there. really cool. So that's the first side of it. The second side is um, they do almost real-time programming or uh, command, real-time commands to the robot itself. So instead of saying, robot, here are the 20 next paths, the robot, here is the next path. The reason they bring that up is they do real-time collision detection, real-time, yeah. uh, well, real-time collision prevention, let's call it that. So what they what they're doing is say there's two robots in a cell, they're doing something called a voxel reservation. Voxel. Voxel. Okay. So a th- uh, a, a three dimensional pixel. Yeah, correct. Is what a voxel is. Correct. Reservation. What do you mean reserving a three dimensional pixel? So the robot knows where it is now. Okay. And where it wants to go. So it re- reserve that space so the next robot does not potentially <gasps> collide. Whoa. So there's another company we saw when we talked about them too at IMTS, uh, Vio Robotics, where yeah, yeah, yeah. they're doing something similar where they're uh, using uh, different sensors to see where right. that robot is right now right. and what are all the potential paths from there. And it reserves all those paths. So and it detects humans from going into that space. And this is a very similar pace uh, uh, application where they're, they have the current robot space state. What are the future states? And it <gasps> reserves that space so it prevents collision. Th- that's Okay. This is wild because just back in September, we thought VO Robotics was like so far ahead <laughs> yeah. because they were like, yeah, once this human gets close, we're going to keep this industrial arm swinging around at full speed. But once it gets close, once it gets within range, that's when we slow it down or and or stop it. Yep. With voxel reservation, it could be like keep it moving at full speed. Just once the human starts taking up space, we have it work around the human. Yep. Imagine, imagine if Vio did that. <laughs> like that's sure. wild. That sure. is there's, wild. There's a lot of opportunity there. And uh, to be honest, uh, see if I kind of drifted from uh, what I initially right. planned. We but dove right into this. Let, let's come back to that. Let's talk about our sponsor. Tell us about our sponsor. Our new sponsor, Modern Machine Shops, Made in the USA podcast. Tune in for Modern Machine Shop's Made in the USA podcast to explore manufacturing issues faced by companies making an international (laughs) making an intentional choice to manufacture in the U.S. Featuring commentary from OEM leaders, Made in the USA blends its nearly century long expertise with unique audio storytelling experience to shine a spotlight on the past, present and future of American manufacturing. Threw me off because there was no Oxford comma. (laughs) 
Find Made in the USA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Follow Modern Machine Shop on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay, brand new sponsor. Corso's going to totally duff that one. <laughs> we'll get into the pace of them. We'll, get, we'll, we'll figure it out. <clears throat> So getting nice. back, I'm excited about that though. That is a great podcast. Definitely recommend it. So getting back to, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier. So, um, let's talk about, talk about technologies that we saw at SHOT Show. Yes. Tell me more about, you know, first give me an overview. What is SHOT Show? And then how does that play in the manufacturing sector? So for like the third or fourth podcast now, SHOT Show is a firearms industry trade show. It's like the biggest, if you're into guns, you know what SHOT Show is. And it's kind of a big deal. Um, like I said, it's been like a dream trade show of me to attend SHOT Show uh, since high school. Since I've known about SHOT Show, I just, you know, in high school, I didn't know what industry I was going to work in. I didn't know who's going to work for and if I'd ever be able to go there. Um, long story short, I work in the manufacturing industry now. And I went to SHOT Show uh, for media and, and press coverage of what's new in the firearms industry for the reason of the firearms industry in manufacturing new firearms technology is industry adjacent to the manufacturing industry, meaning the manufacturing industry supplements all of the technology that is used to make the new stuff in SHOT Show. Right. So thus I can attend almost virtually virtually any (laughs) trade show that I want to. Why not shot show? It's at the beginning of the year. Let's do it. Um, Went to CES in 2020. That was a hot mess. Fun show, but hot mess. Shot show, way better in in terms of organization and, you know, being able to to narrow down. Like, Like there's not as much scope creep. Like you can focus on a particular thing. And and that's that's why I went. I wanted to see um what manufacturers were doing with the advancements made in made recently in manufacturing technology and how they were applying said advancements to their product ranges. And Um, just to also give the landscape, right? It's the end product in terms of firearms, right? But they do have a very strong and very visible space for manufacturing technologies and, um, and use uh, manufacturers. Yeah. So that was, it's the full spectrum that we see from manufacturing to end product. And it was very interesting to see, you know, you're looking at a, a, a firearm or a component and you're trying to figure out, hmm, was it additively made or how did they manufacture that? And then you could literally walk somewhere else and ask someone that. Exactly. And, and you know, speaking on behalf of additive, um, you know, one of the biggest problems that additive is running into trying to integrate itself into the rest of the manufacturing landscape is designed for additive manufacturing. Right. And there are some things that manufacturers of any product want that were virtually impossible to produce in that sector until additive manufacturing came out right. and additive manufacturing naturally as an industry, they are looking to find these pockets Um and one that? of the best places to look first is the defense industry. Right. Because if you can get a defense contract, you probably have viability <laughs> for your technology. And to be honest, I see that across other sectors, right? So uh, the applications in firearms is more suppressors style uh, yeah. uh, for additive. And anything containing fluid and where you can optimize the fluid path, yeah. I feel like additive has a very uh, positive use for production in those environments. Right. Exactly. And, you know... 
years ago, I forget exactly when, but like rocket engines and to some degree jet engines mm-hmm. have totally been flipped on their head. Yep. Like, like NASA says rocket engines will never be traditionally manufactured ever again because right. additive just makes rocket engines so much better. And jet engines are starting to go that way too. Yep. Um, but one cool thing is, yeah, I remember when I started at AMT, I showed you and and our colleague at the time, Russ, a YouTube video of a uh, suppressor company they, uh, called OSS, Operator Suppressors something or other. Um, I'm not sure it means the same thing anymore, but the company still exists and they still make suppressors the same way, which is an unorthodox way. Typically, suppressors are made in a use utilizing a baffle type mm-hmm. layout. Um, that just means that there's there's chambers in the suppressor and it's very much like that of a reflective resonator or reflective type muffler right. for an internal combustion engine vehicle. Um it's it's like a muffler for your car, but instead it's you put it on the end of a on the muzzle of a gun and a bullet has to be able to go through it and it silences this the the sound report of the gunshot. One of the big problems with both car mufflers or or engine mufflers and su- baffle type suppressors is that they gen it generates a a a side effect, a uh um yeah, side effect called back pressure. Right. And if a car engine has too much back pressure, it can't make as much power as it theoretically could if it had a straight piped exhaust. Yep. But, you know, you don't have cars driving around with straight pipe exhaust because nobody would get sleep at night. Um, and there would be constant calls to the police for, you know, uh, disturbing the peace. <laughs> um, a suppressor also a baffle type suppressor also generates this type of back pressure. And, that becomes a problem when the firearm using the having with a baffle type suppressor retrofitted to the muzzle. If it is a semi-auto or fully automatic firearm that requires some level of fluid dynamics for it to operate sequentially uh, to for it to to autonomously uh, chamber the next cartridge and be ready to fire it, um, then Adding back pressure can either make that system not work right. or work in a way that it can over time or it could expedite the wear on right. certain components and eventually damage itself. You also have the uh, pressure escaping from the chamber and it's often hitting the operator or yeah. user itself. Yeah. If, right. if, if that pressure can't leave the muzzle where the suppressor is, then you know, Gotta go somewhere. physics, you know, <laughs> it'll find a path of least resistance. Right. And in some semi-automatic uh, uh, platforms that is back towards the shooter, yeah. or the, yep. the person operating the firearm, which is no fun. Um, you know, that kind of moots the point. Um, but uh, anyway, with these, with additive and with this reversing uh, the, if you, if you take a jet or rocket engine and redesign it so a projectile can travel down the center of it, you can, in effect, do the same thing that a standard baffle-type suppressor does, which is just slow down 50,000-plus PSI of hot, expanding gas. Instead of trying to stop it in its tracks with baffles, you're creating a long, a multiple long 
uh, passages for that gas to stretch out and expand into before it leaves the firearm instead of going back into the shooter or trying to stop altogether in its tracks, which is, would be physically impossible. Um, a flow through, uh, what I'm trying to say is a flow through suppressor um, is basically a jet engine or a rocket engine in reverse with a cavity down the center for a projectile to travel, a projectile to travel through. And this type of suppressor, they can be machined. Right. And in the past, when they were originally invented, when a flow through in suppressor was invented by OSS, um, they can be machined. But because there's so many <laughs> intricate and complex geometries, it's very expensive and they take a long time to make. Right. Um, They're also machining high, high temperature resistant material. So right. a lot of nickel based alloys, right. which are nobody talk to any machinist. They do not want to cut in canal. <laughs> They don't. They don't. And especially when, well, I'll get into that. But anyway, the best way to get all these complex geometries yep. and to get these long, intricate passageways for hot, expanding gas and a lot of PSI's worth of it <laughs> um, is with additive manufacturing. Yep. So a lot of these new suppressors are being 3D printed. A so, lot of these new flow through suppressors are being 3D printed. Yep. And and one thing is um, that I found out what I was just about to go into was uh, when you 3D print, metal 3D print the suppressor, you still need the suppressor to be able to mount onto the muzzle of a gun. Right. Um, because nobody's designed a integrated 3D printed suppressor and barrel. Right. And gas system if it's a semi-automatic. Um, so so you, you, you print the th suppressor and then you still need material removal Correct. to cut the threads. And I one other thing that I learned from one of the suppliers that that 3D print suppressors um, for a lot of major companies is they uh, thread cut, mm -hmm. thread turn, thread mill, thread mill um, yeah. um, the uh, the threads on the muzzle end of the suppressor using thread milling okay they don't use a tap sure apparently sure. a tap is no bueno there's too much <laughs> as advances additive manufacturing is right now there's still a little too much porosity in the printed metal um for you to reliably be able to use a tap so they use thread thread, thread milling yeah so that, that's come up in discussions a lot on um additive parts and uh, a lot of events where um the, the part has to be mated to someone or attached to something. A lot of times they're either screwed, welded on or whatever. And a lot of the, um, you know, high precision holes for attaching through dowel pins, that's post-machined. Uh, threads are still uh, machined on most cases. 3D printing threads is kind of a misnomer or a mistake that a lot of people jump right into. It's like, just throw, print the whole part where that that's probably one of the weaker parts, probably because the material direction. Yeah. So when you're uh, machining that, you're able to get, you know, the raw material also. Um, and if you do any type of thread forming, that'll get you a better, higher strength material. Right. Um, and of course, in like in this case, since they're doing uh, probably Inconel, probably Inc Inc 625 or something like that. Titanium, lines, stainless titanium. steel, and Inconel. Yep. The one manufacturer that I was talking to, supplier, excuse me, that was manufacturing the suppressor for a lot of the major OEMs um, was saying that they will but they're going to charge you extra because they don't like to yeah. uh, print with Inconel. Okay. And it is a possibility. The sure. machines are very good at it. Right. I got insight as to which machines, which three metal 3D printers are the heavy lifters yep. in the firearms industry. And it's really cool because they happen to be a sponsor of the show. But <laughs> yeah, I won't get into that. Um, 
but um yeah they don't like to yeah they don't yeah, like to print ink and even though it's printing it's way easier than cutting it you yeah, know so and that's a good point i never really thought about tapping versus thread milling yeah. um and you know i, I certainly had yeah i, I was that's blown a fair away point. when he so told me cool. that so also you mentioned something on materials at uh shot show and yeah. new materials that they're using obviously we're talking about additive and additive is a huge way to go for materials but are there any other like new materials you're seeing in firearms um not okay so i'm I'm thinking they're they're not new to us okay they're not new to the manufacturing world because sure. we, we, we're blessed working in the manufacturing industry. <laughs> right. We see all of these new futuristic materials that will become big before anybody else does. Yep. So what's new to us or what's new to them is we, we've known about these materials. Gotcha. So like they're just now getting into Inconel for suppressors. Um, Inconel is an ideal material for for suppressors and even exhaust systems if, if you want to go in that direction too titanium's not too bad either titanium's it's, not bad they have, some the good. military avoids titanium major government contracts sure. avoid titanium suppressors um because a more expensive right and b while it's lightweight and pretty good for thermals when you do pass that thermal threshold it's a catastrophic failure as opposed to right. steel and Inconel will hold off a little bit better. Like steel will sure. melt first, right? Um, before instead of just fragging. Um, well, yeah, and Inconel is it, it's bread and butters to get hot. <laughs> so, like, ideally, they want Inconel. The military wants right. Inconel. The manufacturers do not. And um, titanium will actually catch on fire. Titanium will catch on fire. Yeah. Right. Um, titanium i learned this that the titanium suppressors are typically reserved for uh the bougie civilian market <laughs> because because civilian you know we're 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 scrawny and wimpy and lame sure. and and we just want to larp with cool military technology <laughs> so so they'll want to you know civilian market wants titanium suppressors because they're lightweight they right, don't add right. as much weight um titanium suppressors in some cases uh, actually, no, I'm going to, uh, before I say that, I'm not going to say it cause it's not true, but they like them because they're lightweight. Um, even though the heavier metals like stainless steel and Inconel do a much better job at suppressing Sure, weight is harder to vibrate. Sound is vibration. Right. So the heavier the can is the better it is in a, in basic physics to dampen the loud, sharp acoustics of a gunshot. Sure. Sure. So titanium suppressors your only benefit is that they're lighter, right? They're more expensive and they don't suppress as well. Gotcha. They're only for civilians. They're like, I don't want to carry a big heavy suppressor <laughs> on the end of the muzzle. So awesome, Steve. I'm glad no uh, military will ever use a titanium suppressor. We'll see. Uh, we'll map out our next couple of, uh, end use trade shows. And I'm definitely interested in uh, the article you're going to publish from this trip. Oh, so. This is going to be blessed. I, you know, I already posted, the meat of what the article will be as a as a post on LinkedIn, it essentially went viral as viral <laughs> as anything I've ever put on social sure. media. It's got like 20. It all, I, I think we're pushing 30,000 views wow. on the LinkedIn post and it's got like 30 something comments. Yep. And um, 
more than 200 reactions to That's it. That's cool. So I think it's going to be a popular article. Nice. And just the comment responding, seeing what people have to say about it in the comment mm-hmm. section and replying to their comments is adding to what the article will be when it comes out in MT, MT Magazine. Cool. So I'm really excited about it. Awesome, Steve. Yeah, and getting back to the automation that does, um, you know, well, before you get back into your show, okay. the, the the meat of the show, the technicality, the stuff that we do want to hear, yeah. let's hear what everybody else doesn't want to hear and what I want to hear, the logistics. Oh. <laughs> I want to know how yeah. the actual travel went. So yeah. you left early in Le- the morning. Left early. Uh, did I check in? So you Because you're there so early, you know, and the check in is like hotel's not room the hotel's ready not room ready. So you're walking around, there's your luggage. And I took a bunch of uh, handouts that I wanted to for the committee, which worked out fantastic. So I'm rolling around the uh, big conference hotel with my luggage and that had set up the room. So it's, of course, the opposite side of your room. So I go uh, wandering around, get the room set up. And then I go back to check in. And luckily, it was close enough to noon. I was like 1130 or something like that. I was able to check in and finally get all of my stuff into my room. Uh, then get back to lunch in the conference room uh, for the committee meeting, which worked out great. The hotel provided a great meal, uh, which is interesting, you know, planning out um, meals to the hotels, you know, number yeah. of people. And then they have themes. So it's a Mediterranean theme. I was like, <laughs> let's do this. This is going to be fun. Um, so the uh, first day worked out fantastic. Committee meeting worked out great, brought in all the speakers uh, and then transitioning to the uh, first night of the network reception or uh, the reception uh, for the uh, conference itself. But then. It was interesting, like yourself, I had some work to do during the event. Um, so some of it was offline. I had to deliver a couple. I had delivered the tech report last week. Yeah. Uh, which, Thank which you for that doing one. that. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and it's, I think this type of uh, meeting, it's kind of a, a fun slash networking slash content focused meeting. It's the, it's the best type of show. Um, so in between speakers, there was a fair amount of downtime and after lunch. So I used that time to work on stuff. And since we're in Orlando, I was like, well, why should I work in my room? I just took my laptop, worked it by the pool, awesome. enjoyed the sun. I'm in my full suit, of course, because I'm <laughs> going back and forth. So I'm in my suit, which worked out well. You know, if you don't travel to Orlando in January uh, often, it's it's cold. It's chilly at night. So one other thing I completely messed up is uh, I, I try and incorporate some uh, exercise when I travel. So there was a 5K, which I signed up for. It worked out great. God so bless you, man. I'm in uh, in the lobby at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark. You're I have, wild. I have my shirts my shorts and uh you know one of those dry fit um t-shirts yeah it's 42 degrees outside wild boy <laughs> i didn't bring any of my cold equipment which i i should have i didn't bring my fanny pack to put my uh, card in and my phone in so i was completely unprepared i i blame last minute preparation because i packed at midnight on sunday <laughs> for my 7 a.m flight so uh planning and <gasps> preparation for monday flight kind of messed me up oh my god I forgot to tell you something else that I screwed up. Yeah. So, all right. I did last minute preparation for shot show as well. And I was, I, I lay everything out on the bed Yep. Um, before I put it in the suitcase. And um, just, to, just to, because usually before when, as I'm packing, I'm also doing laundry too, because there's <laughs> sure. stuff that I'm, I'm short on. Right. Um, and only because like I'm running out of time. Um, and of course I stayed up late that night, the night before traveling, of course. gaming with the boys. Um, I, I shove everything in the suitcase, um, and think that I was fully packed. Yeah. I nearly brought everything that I needed, but I only packed two pairs of underwear <laughs> instead of the needed five. So I was like, man, oh man, the last time I did that was yeah. like 
our first business trip together okay. to uh, uh, Pennsylvania when we went to um, <laughs> the export control regulations uh, workshop. Yep. So oh, to Pittsburgh, that was fun. Yeah. That was a good yeah. time. Oh yeah, P- P- Pittsburgh. That's yeah. right. So yeah, um, uh, I, I think uh, so. One thing you <laughs> see on the desk here is two sheets of paper. One is my notes. The other one is our actually setup checklist. So setting up this booth, uh, setting up this uh, studio, this checklist I run through every single time we nice. do this. I think I have to make a packing checklist, Steve. This is the second trip I screwed up in packing. That's smart, though. Also, so not only do I try, next, I try, I, I plan for it. So I bring the exercise equipment, but also I'd like to play video games. So I, brought, I have a laptop, my personal laptop, I have my game stuff on. I brought the laptop. I did not bring the charger for the laptop. <laughs> Steve, you have no idea how painful it is to take another five pound. La- so yeah. I have two laptops with me, but I couldn't use it. So I was so frustrated with myself. Oh, okay. You know, that is pain. <laughs> that was so painful. That is pain. Like I try to avoid bringing chargers. I pleasantly found out that um, my my phone, which is a Google Pixel, right. has, you know, a USB-C fast charger. Yep. And our work laptops have a, USB, uh, a USB-C on the side of them yep. that some chargers will actually use USB, like the new Dell charge chargers. Yeah. So, so my, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bring a laptop charger because I oh. hate bringing a laptop sure. charger. It's a brick. Uh, it's a brick. It's extra weight. Um, and it's just like when I'm at a trade show, I try to limit myself how much I'm on my computer because right. I'm trying to absorb the actual trade show. Yep. Um, but when I was in the hotel room, I was like, man, it's only Tuesday and I'm already at 30% battery. Yeah. Like, why don't I shut down, go to the show? And while I'm at the show, I'll try plugging in my phone charger. Okay. To, because I noticed that like the phone charger does not charge the laptop when the laptop's on. Oh, sure. But when I shut down, close the lid and I plug in the phone charger, the white light on the front of the. It's charging. It does charge. Cool. It charges really slowly, sure. but it does charge. Found out that like, you know, in like, you know, a day, I'll get at least 50% power. Yeah. So it's perfect. I that don't need to well for you. charge. Uh, yeah, it worked out well for me, but Good. like it does suck when yeah. you, when you're out of batteries yep. on something and, and you just have that dead weight. It's like, why? I'm going sh- <laughs> to, why? Hopefully, hopefully there's like a U, uh, UPS or FedEx store because I'm going to ship it back. <laughs> I don't want to carry it in my bag, but. Uh, on the way back, so, you know, worked there for a couple of days and then I flew back on a Wednesday or whatever. And the I took a late flight just to make sure I get all the content. I knew how I would have calls also. So I s- scheduled from the event, finishing at like noon, get some lunch, do a couple of calls and then get to the airport by like four. I think it's like four o'clock flight or something like that. Um, of course, checkout is like 11 or like <laughs> seven in the morning. It, it doesn't make any sense. So I asked for a late checkout. Luckily, it was a Hilton. I got some points. It says, yeah, you get noon. Thanks for the extra hour. Can I get two o'clock? They said, no, but you can charge $25 per hour. So that's one thing that keep in mind that if you ask for a super late checkout, like a 2 p.m., all they'll do is charge you an extra 50 bucks and it's worth getting that room. Because after my meetings and I went back to the room, did a couple of calls and I just changed in my hotel and then um, wow. left. So that's something to keep in your back pocket. Um, if I you have, have not run flight. into that yet. Yeah, I recommend. Now it. I've run into places being like, it's a ten, it's a ten a.m. checkout. Right. And it was like, can I get a later checkout? And then it'd be like, we can do eleven. <laughs> and it was like, can I do a later checkout than that? And it was like, we can do twelve. Yeah. Like, how how how's one? And like, all right, we can do one p.m. <laughs> it's like a negotiation every single. It time. It is like a negotiation. <laughs> it's like 
like like all right for vegas it makes sense because right. those ho- hotels are massive yep. and they fill them up yeah and they're constantly trading trade shows right like when one trade show moves out another one's moving in that is a vegas is a well-oiled machine that that fake oasis <laughs> in the middle of a nevada <laughs> desert um like i understand them being strict about their checkout because right. like they're making money a lot of money on those rooms yeah they don't have vacancies right like they need you out so a cleaner can undo all of the nonsense <laughs> and nastiness that you've ruined in right. that room um and like so for like vegas they make sense but like they're already making a ton of money off of you like right. they, they let you check out late yeah but I, I was out of there yeah. on time and I'm glad I left early because Vegas traffic is a lot worse <laughs> these days. But like in the middle of like um like a part of the Midwest right. where there's a um you have a meeting and the hotel is clearly like there's only like three cars in the hotel's parking lot. Right. It's like to hell with you, man. Like let me check <laughs> out at like six PM. Like you're not losing any money off of me checking sure. out late. Yeah. So just ask for that. If you need a late checkout, ask them for the, that time and tell them you're willing to pay and see what they do. I recommend it. Yeah. Steve, where can they find more info about us? amtonline.org slash resources. Hit all the buttons. Bye. That means like, share, subscribe. Hit <laughs> the notification bell. I don't know. This isn't YouTube. Bye. Technically, yes. We are posting on YouTube. <laughs> If you're on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, (laughs) and comment. It's all staying (laughs) in.